you have a Bible, you can go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 10. Now, every evening uh, with, with our four-year-old daughter, Jane, and our 10-year-old son, Seth, we, we read a, a Bible story from a children's Bible uh, with our daughter, and we do a devotion with our son, Seth, something uh, that's kind of tailored to his, his age. Now, um, in, in the children's Bible, Mark chapter 10, there, there's an interesting story. And Mark chapter 10 is an interesting uh, chapter because like, you see how busy Jesus is, how popular he is in the time that's leading up to kind of his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, kind of Palm Sunday, but also he's going to be crucified uh, that, that, that Friday. Now, in Mark chapter 10, verse 1, you, you see that crowds are coming to Jesus. They're, they're hearing him teach. In Mark chapter 10, verse 2, we see that uh, the Pharisees are coming to Jesus and they're testing him. They're, they're trying to get him to slip up, find a reason to get rid of him. In verse 17, you find that there's a rich young ruler who comes to Jesus asking some questions. How, how do I inherit eternal life? Now, in verse 13, there's an interesting, uh, something interesting takes place. And so I'm going to read from my daughter's children's Bible. She actually, it was her mother's, um, but I, I just like the way it puts it. And I have fun with this a lot of the time. So, some mothers and fathers came to Jesus. They carried their babies in their arms. They held their boys and girls by the hand. We want Jesus to pray for our children, the mothers and fathers said. We want Jesus to give them his blessing. But Jesus' disciples tried to stop the mothers and the fathers. Get back, they said. Can't you see that Jesus is busy? He does not have time for children. It's like, this is, this, this always is like, wow, that's kind of weird. Because like, you, you would think Jesus, they, they'd want Jesus to be seen with the babies. Kind of like presidents going around kissing babies. It's good for publicity or something. But they don't want the children near Jesus. And we're going, did this really happen? Well, it did. Mark chapter 10, verse 13, it, it says this. Some people brought their children to Jesus so he could bless them by placing his hands on them. But his disciples told the people to stop bothering him. And so you have like James and John and Peter just playing like crowd control for Jesus. It's, it's kind of interesting. Now, in, in the ancient Jewish world, people would bring their young children to the rabbis to have their, their child prayed over and to have their child blessed. And so it's like, uh, Rabbi, could you pre- please uh, pray for little Joshua that he would grow up to be a wise rabbi just like you, or, or at least let him be successful in his trade? Uh, rabbi, could you pray for little Sarah that she'll, she'll grow up to have many children, that she'll be healthy and they'll, they'll all be happy? And so this is what they would, they would ask. Now, we look at the disciples and go, man, what's wrong with you guys? You guys heartless? But we have to understand that they, they mean well in doing this. They're trying. Jesus has limited time, so his time is valuable. Jesus has limited energy, so his energy needs to be stewarded. And, and so the disciples want to protect Jesus from distractions and less strategic ministry so that he can afford, or, um, focus on what's most important. And there's nothing controversial about kind of what the disciples do at this time because children just weren't seen as that important. Like, like today, we kind of are infatuated with our children a lot of the time. And as, as our children go, get older, we kind of structure our lives around them and their priorities and our aspirations for them. It's like, we, we, we kind of go insane at times. Like, we're like, I got to get Billy into this hockey camp because if Billy doesn't get into this camp, he won't make this team. And then Billy's never going to make the NHL. I got to get Jenny into this daycare. We don't get her into this proper daycare. Jenny's never going to grow up to be a successful warrior and we can just kiss all that goodbye. And we kind of like are infatuated with some of this stuff. 
Now, in ancient Palestine, children are at the bottom of the social hierarchy. Kids aren't seen as special or endearing. I mean, their parents loved them, but for the most part, people were like, kids just get in the way. Like, let's, let's keep them out of the way. Now, assuming that the children are going to bother Jesus, the disciples try to stop the people from bringing their children to Jesus because they're going, Jesus has more important things to do. Now, notice that the disciples in, in chapter 10, they have no issue with Jesus spending time with the crowds. They have no issue with Jesus spending time with the Pharisees. They have no issue uh, with Jesus spending time with an up-and-coming uh, influencer, a, a rich young ruler. Now, the question is, is, is why? Now, as they, as they evaluate the people who want some of Jesus' time, maybe the disciples are going, okay, what can this person offer? What can this person contribute to Jesus' ministry and his mission? Now, the Pharisees, like, the Pharisees are influential. They, they kind of have sway over many people. They look up to them as religious leaders. And so if the Pharisees come along and, like, we're, 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 we're all about Jesus, if they're going, he's the Messiah, the people will come along. So the disciples are like, yeah, it might be good. Or at the very least, there's this. Like, if, if people see how much wiser that Jesus is than the Pharisees, maybe they'll be like, yeah, I'm going team Jesus. The rich young ruler. I mean, he's, he's, he's an influencer, He's rich, he's powerful, he's, he's, he's young. Like, remember when Justin Bieber became a Christian? Like, Christians, they were going like, oh, this is great, he's gonna, he's gonna influence people for Jesus, so many people are gonna become a Christian because Justin Bieber did it. Kanye West releases a gospel album, and people are like, man, this is gonna do so much good for the kingdom. And sometimes we look at people who are kind of rich, young, influential, and we're going, nah, look, look what they could offer. And so this, is, this might be what the disciples are, are kind of doing. Now, children, children are needy. Like every morning, every morning without fail, our daughter Jane comes into her bedroom, and it's, it's always early, and she asks for something. It's, it's like, I need, uh, I want breakfast. Can you turn on a show for me? I'm, I'm scared. Now, she's very courteous. She never wakes up her mother. It's me every, every time. It's, it's like, thanks, thanks Jane. But, but this is what she does. Uh, they're, they're neat. Like, man, the amount of times I have to put her back in bed every night because I need water. I need to go pee. What are you doing? It's like, no, stop being so needy. Stay in your bed, please. Children are a lot of work. There's always laundry to do. Like, children are messy. Like, they, they spill a crumb, and it's like the, 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 a miraculous thing. It's just like that one crumb multiplies, and it's like all over the kitchen floor. We could feed the 5,000 with the amount of crumbs that are underneath the table. Children, they, they don't contribute much, but they always take. Like, our 10-year-old, he'll pour himself a bowl of cereal, and I'm going, like, you better finish that, because that's like $8 worth of cereal in that bowl, and don't spill it. But it's like, yeah, they don't help pay the bills, but they create the bills. And so what can children offer? Not much. What can children contribute? Not much. And so the disciples are going, the last thing Jesus needs are sticky-handed kids, like vying for his attention and getting in the way of his, his important work. The kids have to go. Now, as the parents bring their children to Jesus, they might know it's, it's a bit of a long shot for Jesus to bless them, and so they're, they're probably not super surprised when the disciples try to send them packing. But th that's not what Jesus does. This is not how it ends. In verse 14, it says, When Jesus saw this, he became angry and said, Let the children come to me. Don't try to stop them. People who are like these little children belong to the kingdom of God. 
I promise you that you cannot get into God's kingdom unless you accept it the way a child does. Then Jesus took the children in his arms and blessed them by placing his hands on them. Now, our culture, we think of Jesus, he's calm, he's cool, he's mellow, he's got gorgeous hair all the time, he never gets upset or irate. But the thing is, there were things that made Jesus angry. He, he, he would get upset. Now, it's not like when we get angry, it's not ten, it doesn't tend to be like healthy anger. It's not constructive. But Jesus' anger, it's, it's, it's righteous, it, it's pure. There's nothing evil about his anger. And when Jesus sees his disciples preventing the disciples, or uh, preventing the children from being able to come to him, he gets angry. And Mark uses this word indignant. He's, he's upset. He, he's furious. Now, the disciples' zeal to, to guard Jesus' time conflicted with the heart of his kingdom. Like, even though the disciples meant well, they got it wrong. Now, I take some encouragement from this because, like, there's times where, I, I mean, I mean well and I get it wrong. Any, any Christians here going like, man, I wish I had, could have a mulligan on some of this stuff. I, I'd love a do-over. You reflect on a situation and go, man, that could have went better. I mean, it happened to Jesus' disciples. He put up with them. He'll, he'll do the same for us. But what the disciples did or intended to do, it stems from what they cared about. Now, notice that Jesus doesn't rebuke the prevailing worldview as it relates to children, but he does rebuke his disciples for imitating that worldview and assuming that he would as well. Like, Jesus' anger burns against how, how wrongly his disciples mistook his heart. They were thinking just like the world, that the children are a nuisance and of little value. Now, the disciples, they don't yet understand kind of Jesus' ministry, the, the, the nature of his kingdom. That Jesus came for, to be an advocate for the sick, the poor, the sinful, those who are considered the least in society, those who have very little to offer. And Jesus says, don't try to stop them. And in Jesus' eyes, children are just as important and worthy of his love as, as adults are. Now, if you're a parent, like, I find this so comforting that, that Jesus loves my children more than I do. Jesus loves my children better than I do. And this message, it's, it's not intended to be one that's like aimed at, here, here's how to parent your kids. Um, it's, it's more, how do we approach Jesus or how, how, how should we seek Jesus? But I, I, I would be remiss if I didn't take an opportunity to talk about parenting our children in such a way that we, we raise them to seek Jesus one day. About, like, I, I want to encourage you, if you're a parent, or an aunt or an uncle, a grandparent, or going to be a parent one day, maybe you're an adoptive parent in some ways, it's like, or a, an honorary un, honor, uncle or aunt, I want to encourage you to be like the parents in this text and bring your children to Jesus. Like about 10 years ago, I received an email from, from a woman who would attend our church three to four times a year, maybe. And it, it, it turned out that her, her teenage son was kind of going through a rebellious phase. He was getting in trouble at, at school, and she figured he needs a little bit of religion. Um, and she was trying to get him to come to church. She was trying to get him to, um, to, to go to youth group, but he just would not go. And so she, she messaged me saying, like, can you talk to him? and get him to go. And I said, I'll, I'll, I'll meet with him. So I picked him up from school one day. 
I took him to Dairy Queen, and we just hung out, talked about how things were going. And towards the end, I was just like, it would be great to have you join us on Sunday mornings. Um, if you want, we can, we can sit together. Uh, I said to him, like, I, at that time, I was helping run the youth program here, and it was Friday nights. I said, I'd love to have you join us on Friday night. It's a lot of fun. There's, there's some other guys your age. I think you'll really enjoy it. And he said, nah, not really interested. And it's like, I appreciated the honesty. There was that. But I reported back to his mother, and, and she was just kind of baffled. Just like, I can't understand why he doesn't want to go to church. Can't understand why he's not interested in youth group. Can't understand why he's, he's not thinking about things of faith. And I, I didn't have the courage to say it back then. But I would, I would say this today. We transmit what we treasure. We transmit what we treasure. And so, like, she had not made her relationship with Jesus a priority. She had not made gathering with the saints a priority. Just, you could kind of look at her life and go, like, faith's not super important to you. And so why would you assume, why would you expect it to be important to your son? Now, I'm, I'm thankful for our nursery workers. I'm thankful for our GLOW kids, uh, teachers and, and assistants. I'm thankful for our Ignite youth leaders, the way they serve. They, they help to disciple our, our children and our teens to know Jesus. But, but here's what I would say. Don't punt discipling to them. Don't punt discipling your children to them. It's, it's not primarily their responsibility. It's not, it's not primarily the churches. Like if you look in the book of Deuteronomy over and over again, God would, would say to his, the parents, he's going like, you teach your children about me. You teach them my commands. You teach them what I have done. And HCC, we're, we're here to partner with you in this. But the reality is we get one to three hours per week maybe with, with your child, with, with your teen. And the truth is, if we don't disciple our children as parents, somebody else will, and they're glad to do it. But the problem is, you might not like the doctrine that they're being discipled in. You, you might not agree with it, but I, I promise you that the culture is more than willing to help disciple your children. Like, I read an article a few years ago about how little kids, they were like two, three-year-olds, learning to talk but they were starting to speak with British accents. And these are like kids in Canada and the States. And like, they're going like, why are the kids speaking with British accents? But then they discovered what's called the Peppa effect. Um, and, and so it was all these kids were watching the Peppa pig, the little British pig, and they were beginning to imitate her. They were speaking with the British accent. So all these kids were like, mommy, daddy, can we go on holiday? And, and that's pretty good, right? Right? But... Uh, it was just kind of this thing. It's like what's transmitted is often what gets picked up. We're all a disciple of someone or something. We all are. Now, here's the thing. I promise you that culture, that, that kind of what's coming in through our screens is, 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 is designed to help disciple and, and teach our kids something. And again, it's, it's kind of what they believe in regards to the, the meaning of life, the purpose of life the sanctity of life, sexuality, money, how, how relationships work. It, it's, it's all there. And so here's what I'm saying is be intentional about discipling your children in the way of Jesus. 
Like, and I'm not up here going like, I've mastered it, guys. I'm going to write a book. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Because like, I'm in the midst of it. I've got a 10-year-old. I've got a 4-year-old. I'm trying to figure out how to do this in the midst of a very challenging cultural moment. But my wife and I, we're not just going to like give up and not fight for our child's souls when there are so many things out there that will destroy them if they believe it. And so here's what I'm saying. Like if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, whatever role you might have in a kid's life, don't go, I surrender, and just kind of like give it up, give up your children without a fight. Like fight for their souls. Don't leave it to chance. And so here's what I'm saying. We transmit what we treasure. And I'm just going to be brutally honest with, with us. Some of the things that is concerning is that I see we often transmit this, that Jesus is good, but sports are better. Jesus is good, but you know what? Sleeping in on a Sunday morning is sweeter. Jesus is good, but family is always most important. Jesus is good, but you know what? Money is king. It's like, send me your emails, I'll take them. But we, we transmit what we treasure. And the only worth, treasure worth building our lives around is Jesus. And as a parent, to let our, our children build their life around something other than him is actually unloving because those things will fail them. Those things don't deliver. And so here's what, here's what I'm saying. If you want to see your kids seeking after Jesus, let them see you seeking after Jesus. Let, let your kids see you reading your Bible and praying. Let your kids see you um, making worship a priority and gathering with the saints is something important. Let them see you serving in the name of Jesus. Let them know that church isn't just something you attend. It's something you belong to. It's something you are. Read them Bible stories at night. Do, do a devotion with your child. Pray with your child. Ask them about what they want prayer for. Invite them to pray maybe at meals or uh, in the evening. Look for teachable moments. Ask your, or if your kids are asking questions about life and faith, answer them from, from a biblical standpoint. If you don't have the answer, you can simply say, I don't know, but I will find you an answer. Make your faith a normal part of your rhythms and routines. Like Friday night in our house is kind of family night. And so one thing we, we had been doing is over dinner, we, we had a devotion. It was geared towards kids, but we'd read the devotion and it provided discussion questions. And so we'd, we'd read it and discuss. Now, please don't understand, like every time we would do this, it was like we're holding hands and the kids would be like, mother, father, this was wonderful. Please, more, can we keep going? Like sometimes they were like into the discussion. I was like, awesome. And other times it was like, get up from underneath the table. Listen, stop hitting your sister. Ah, oh, let's just pray. <laughs> like it, it wasn't a win every time, but they notice us making those habits. Another thing that we did um, over the last few months is we watched the show called The Chosen. Free app, you, you can get it. It's, it's, it's a pretty good uh, show. It's, it's, it kind of depicts the life of Jesus. But here's the thing. The kids would ask to watch it. And we, they would go, can we watch another episode? And here's the thing, like it would, it would lead to discussions and, and talking about this. And so as a parent, I'm kind of going, this is a win. We're, we're talking about Jesus. Now, there's not just one way to disciple your kids. There's, there's plenty of resources out there. And, and so you try and see what works. And I, if, if I can help, I, I can try and suggest some resources to you if you would like. But it's never too late to start is also what I would say. Like, your kids will notice you 
making changes in your life. Even if you're a grandparent, they will, they will take notice of it. And that, that can have an impact on them. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, it says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So what I'm saying is bring your children to Jesus. Help them seek Jesus by letting them see you seek Jesus. Now, I'm also not up here going like, if you do this, it's 100% guarantee that your kids will, will, will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior one day. Like, we can make the best effort possible, and they might not make that choice. And I know some of us have made every effort in trying to disciple our children to lead Jesus or follow Jesus, and maybe they did for a while, and it looks like they've walked away. But here's what I would say, that, that those weren't wasted years. That was not wasted effort, because you've given them a hope that they can come back to. You've taught them truth that when the things of this world start to, they go, actually, that's inconsistent. That doesn't hold up. That doesn't work. You've given them something to come back to. It hasn't been wasted. And Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son for a reason. Now, Matthew chapter 18, verses two to three, Jesus says, or it says, Jesus called for a child to come over and stand near him. Then he said, I promise you this, if you don't change and become like a child, you will never get into the kingdom of heaven. Now, heaven, we, we read in scripture, it's like it's only inhabited by those who are holy and righteous, and that's bad news for us because none of us are that. The scripture will say, like, you're, you're sinful. You're, you're not holy. But the, the gospel, the good news, it says that Jesus was sent by God into this world to live as one of us, among us. He lived a perfect life, that he was crucified on the cross as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. But he didn't just die and stay dead, but that God, through his power, resurrected him from the grave, showing that he has power over sin and death. And the good news is that for every person that puts their trust in him, those who would come seeking him, that they can have eternal life. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Now, Jesus is saying nobody can get into the kingdom of heaven unless they kind of enter it like a child, or they become like a child. And he's not talking about ages, but about certain qualities. There's nothing that's going like, there's not going to be geriatrics in heaven. I don't know how it all works, but like maybe there'll be some guy who's driving way below the speed limit down the streets of gold. He's got his blinker on the whole time. We're just going to be like, it's okay. I've got eternity to get where I'm going. It's cool. But Jesus is saying this, the kingdom of God belongs to all those old and young who have certain childlike qualities. And there, there's a number of things that I could talk about in regards to this, but I want to focus on three things um, quickly here. The first thing is this. Children trust humbly. Like little kids, they're unsophisticated. They're free of mental pride. They're teachable. They're trusting. They don't hide what they do know. They don't hide what they don't know. It's like if they think it, they just say it. Like, like, if you have a young kid around, like, sometimes they'll just make observations about your body, and you're like, thank you. That was great for the self-confidence. I really appreciate that. If they have a question, they'll just ask it. Doesn't matter who's around or where you are. It can be really awkward at times. Now, I'm just warning you, you're getting a ton of illustrations from my kids today, because that's where I'm at right now. Now, sometimes Seth will say to his little sister, you stink. 
And, and she'll be like, no, I don't. I'll be like, yes, you do. And they go back and forth. And Jane will come to us and go, Sethy says I'm stinky. Am I stinky? And we're like, no, Jane, you're, you're not stinky, sweetie. And she'll go back to him and be like, daddy doesn't think I'm stinky. And it's like, for her, that's good enough. That's good enough. And the children tend to take what their parents say as truth because they trust her. If they give an answer, that's, that's good enough. And young children tend to trust their parents implicitly. And, and as believers, we must trust God in a similar way. Like children depend on the wisdom and the strength of their guardians, and they know almost nothing about life. And so they need their guardians to provide, to guide, to guard them through life. Now, please understand, being saved by grace, by grace through faith, it, it's, not, um, it's not about us knowing everything. It's not about us doing everything right. It's, it's trusting that God our Father has answered our sin problems sufficiently through Jesus Christ. It's about knowing that no matter what happens, God our Father is going to come through on the promises that he's made to his children. It's about trusting that God is good, wise, strong, that, that he knows what is best, even when life is, is scary, it's uncertain, and we don't understand what's going on. We can trust God's heart. And those who are seeking God's kingdom must come to God recognizing their total dependence on him. And this kind of feeds into my second point, that children receive willingly. Like I've done 10 years of of birthdays and Christmases as a parent. And not once in all those years have I seen a a kid at any party or at any Christmas do this. I simply can't accept this gift. It's just too much. Like, they, they, it's like, why do we even bother putting cards there? Like, they, they can't get the wrapping paper off quick enough. And a child doesn't think about earning or deserving or even paying for gifts. They simply hope for them and accept them with joy. Like, our, our, our daughter, she's in this phase where it's just like, um, I want that. You, you can buy that for me for my birthday. You can get that for me for Christmas. And I said to her, it's like, Jane, you've asked for a lot of things. Like, we can't get all of them. And she was like, no, I haven't. But you know what? It's okay. I'll just ask Grampy. Um, and she knows where to go to get what she wants. But in the same way, as believers, we need to know who to go to for the things that we need. Like, children don't have the ability to advance their cause apart from the direction and the resources and the help of an adult and as sinners, we, we have nothing that we can do in regards to our sin debt apart from the help, the direction, the work of God. And the only people who enter the kingdom of God are those who recognize their helplessness and who've accepted the gift of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And, and forgiveness just simply needs to be received like a child receives a gift. They, they, they don't ask, like, what's the catch? They just ask, they receive the gift. And almost every religion is going to tell you, you need to earn your salvation. That in order to, um, to please God, to be forgiven, to inherit eternal life, you, you need to live a certain way. That, that your good deeds will outweigh your bad deeds. Or we get it in our head, we set these lines. It's like, maybe if I have like an impressive Bible reading streak, or my, my church attendance has been pretty good, God will be impressed and he'll just kind of give me eternal life. But, but what we see is that the kingdom, it, it simply has to be received like a gift. We can't earn it. We can't pay for it. In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, 
who created all the lights in the heavens. And so what we have to understand is realize that our father is a father who loves to give good gifts. Nobody's going to have bragging rights in heaven. Nobody's going to be there going like, I earned this. I performed well, and so that's, that's how I got in. It's, for every person there, it's going to be the same way that Jesus did the work, and I trusted in that. I received it. And to become a child of God, we simply must receive God's gift of grace through faith in Jesus. Now, Jesus, he rebukes his disciples because they, they missed his heart. They thought that Jesus only wanted to spend time with those who had something to offer him. Now, his parents, I, I've yet to hear of any parent that's done this. When their child is old enough and they're, they're bringing in money, they, they bring a bill to their child and go, here's what it costs to raise you. Here's room, here's board, here's all the gifts, here's all the activities you were a part of. I added some interest there just so I, I can recoup more, and you, you know, inflation. But they don't do that. Like, it's, it's their pleasure to, to raise their child. It's hard, it's expensive. There are difficult days, but as a parent, it's our, ch- it's our pleasure to, to do this, to provide for our children. And one of my favorite things of, of being a parent, and I'm just enjoying this phase right now, is just when I'm hanging out with Jane, we're playing, we're coloring, and she'll just say unprompted, Daddy, I love you. And it's like, that does my heart good, and I'm saving those up because I know a day is coming when she'll probably say this, you're the worst parent ever, because I don't let her do whatever she wants to do. Now, here, here's the thing. Children love unashamedly. Children love unashamedly. And what I want most for my kids is their love. As their father, that's, that's what I crave, is, is, that, is that relationship with them. It's not like, how can you pay me back? What can you give me? It's, I want that relationship. And some of you have believed this, that, that God only wants you for what you can offer him, that God's only after your stuff. But Jesus doesn't want you for your accomplishments. He doesn't want you for your influence. He doesn't want you for your money or whatever it is you think impresses God and makes you valuable to the kingdom. He doesn't want your stuff. He doesn't need your stuff. What God wants is you. He, he, he wants you. He loves you. And God wants a loving relationship with his child. And, and that's why he sent his son. And so long before you ever thought about seeking after Jesus, he's been seeking after you. Like in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, for the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. In Mark chapter 10, verse 16, it says that Jesus took the children up into his arms and he blessed him. And this is what we have to realize is the only way that we get the blessing of the kingdom is if we allow Jesus essentially to take us up into his arms and carry us into the kingdom by his strength and by his work through his grace. So you can't come to Jesus with your arms full of everything that you think makes you valuable or good in God's eyes. You're having it together your best efforts, they don't impress him. What he wants is you. He loves you. And like, uh, one of my favorite things uh, is always when like, uh, your child will come to you with their arms up. And you know what that means. I want you to take me up into your arms and carry me. That's the, that's the way God wants you to essentially come to him. His arms up. I need you to carry me into your kingdom. I need your strength 
to see me through. I need you. And so God's kingdom is wide open to every person who comes to him in humble, childlike trust. If, if you've kind of been going through life going, I've got to impress God. I've got to bring him something to offer. I've got to have something to contribute in order to earn his forgiveness or to get into the kingdom of heaven. That's not what it's about. He wants you. And if you will trust in Jesus' work, salvation is available to you today. And if you would like to talk about that, you can, you can speak to me. I'll be up here after the service. I'll be at the door. You could speak with Pastor Greg on your way out. You could fill out a connect card at the Welcome Center or at halifaxchristianchurch.ca. There's a connect card online under the connect tab.